Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to take a scripture out of uh, Romans. Uh, great Easter scripture, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Romans chapter 8 and reading verse 11, the Bible says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I'm going to read it again. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Let's pray. So Father, I just thank you for your word and I just thank you for this opportunity to gather and to meet with you, Lord God. I just pray by the Holy Spirit, just come, speak to all of us. We're hungry to hear a word from you above all else, Lord God. Find every distraction. Every thought that is not of you, we come against it in Jesus' name. We just pray that your spirit would move. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be a a spirit of uh, wisdom and revelation, Lord God, as we dive into this word. Let it come alive into our hearts and into our spirits. I pray that would bring transformation. I thank you that you're going to speak to us. I thank you that this word is going to minister to each and every one here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Tim, for playing so nicely in the background. Give Tim a big round of applause. I want to share uh, tonight on this Good Friday uh, service on the subject, this is my story. This is my story. Have you ever wondered what Easter is really all about? Well, for some people, Easter is just a public holiday, an opportunity for a long weekend, uh, time to to go away, maybe a few days off uh, and, uh, you know, rest and relax. For some people, Easter is a four-day long weekend, can't wait for Easter to come so that we can go away and relax. Nothing wrong with that. For others, Easter's a time to spend with family and share a meal together and gather together and and be able to to spend some time together with the family. For some others, Easter's all about the Easter bunny and getting some chocolate. How many people have had chocolate so far? It's kind of a, it just it rings a note with me anyway. I, I just, just love that Hague's in particular. Uh, nothing wrong with any of those things. For others, Easter's a part of a religious tradition. It's a significant date in the Christian calendar and it's a time where we go to church. It's a time where we gather as the church to reflect on Jesus coming, on the death of Jesus and also the resurrection of Jesus. And all of that is good. Have some time to rest, spend some time with the family, eat lots of chocolate, go to church. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But Jesus never came for any of those reasons. Jesus came, the Bible says, 
to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus came some 2,000 years ago to heal the brokenhearted. He came to give peace. He came to provide hope. He came to set people free. He came so that we may experience life and life in abundance. Jesus never came some 2,000 years ago just to start a religion. He didn't come just to start a, a church necessarily, but he came so that we could experience life and experience it to the full. Jesus came so that through a relationship with him, we, we might be able to experience life. So many people chasing life. So many people chasing that elusive joy in life, thinking if I get here or if I get this, if I get this other thing, then finally I'm going to ha be happy. The Bible says that the only way that we can experience true joy, the only way that we can experience true life is through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nothing wrong with things. Things are okay. But things will only give us joy for a little bit. You know that. You know, every time I bought a, a car, oh, this is an amazing, oh, it feels so good for a couple of weeks. And then, and then the joy starts, especially when someone scratches it, especially when you've got to wash the car. It just, the joy comes right out. The things of this world are going to provide happiness um, for a little bit, but they're not going to give us that deep and lasting joy that only Jesus came to. The reason why Jesus came, so that we could experience life, not just any kind of life, but life in abundance. Paul says in Romans, in the text that we read, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, I want you to think about that. Jesus was dead and the spirit raised him back to life. Paul is saying to the Romans, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, well, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. And that's a powerful Easter scripture. If the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us, then the things that seem dead and buried in our lives, those things that we've given up hope about in our own lives, those kind of things can come back to life. The areas in our lives where we said, well, I, ju I just don't see a way through this. I don't see a way out of this. I, I don't think there's any hope for this particular situation. Paul is saying, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us, he too can raise those things that seem dead and buried in our own lives, including our relationship with God that just seems to be religious. Paul says those things can come back to life. Jesus never came so that we would just celebrate Easter. Celebrating Easter is amazing. And thank God that in our nation, we can still gather on Good Friday service and be able to worship Jesus. But Jesus never came so that we would just celebrate Easter. He came so that we could experience Easter. Amen. Amen. And as you read the Gospels in the New Testament, you find that whenever Jesus interacted with people, whenever people encountered Jesus, their lives were radically changed. They never went away the same. They were always changed and transformed because they had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I want to do today is I want to tell you the story of four people in the Gospels, four people in the New Testament whose lives were radically changed, transformed when they met Jesus, when they had an encounter with Jesus. Now, I wish they were here tonight. I wish they were in the front row here tonight because I'd, I'd get them to come up here on stage and I'd, and I'd get them to say, well, this is my story. And they'd be able to tell us their story about who they were and, and then what happened in their lives when they encountered Jesus. But they're not here tonight. 
So I want to tell you their story. My prayer is that as we look at their story, that God might speak to us about our own life and about our own story. And maybe there are some of you here tonight and you're saying, I'm struggling. I'm struggling in life. I'm struggling in my marriage, in my home, in my mind. And, and my prayer, if that's you, that as, as we look at these stories that are written in the scriptures, that we too may have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that will change our own lives. Well, first of the stories is the story of Peter. Andrew, uh, Peter's brother, had spent some time with Jesus. The Bible says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Andrew spends time with Jesus. When he meets him, first things he does, he goes and calls his brother Simon. And he says, come, we've met Jesus. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're a Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter. Now, I love this passage because Jesus looks at Simon and what he's saying is, you're, you, are, you, you are Simon, but he wasn't just referring to his name. He was saying, you really are a Simon. You see, the word Simon in the Hebrew means reed. And when he looked at him, he said, you really are a reed. Now, a reed, if you think about the old uh, reeds, they, uh, it speaks about uh, fragile. It's easily moved, blown here and there, weak, hollow. And if you look at this, the, the life of Simon, that's exactly who he was. He would speak first and and then think later. Do you know someone like that? They're very painful people to be around. You know, the kind of people that shoot their mouth off and then think, well, maybe I probably shouldn't have actually said that because it might have caused a bit of damage. Well, this was Peter. He would just shoot his mouth off and then kind of try to take it back. He's the one who rebuked Jesus. You imagine this. Jesus, the Son of God, creator of the heavens and the earth. On one particular occasion, Jesus is saying, you know, I'm going to have to die on a cross and so on. So Peter thinks he's quite smart, pulls him aside, starts to tell him off. He starts to rebuke him. Because he thought he was, you know, just one level above Jesus. He's the one who denied Jesus three times, right at the end. He was impulsive and weak at times. But what I love about this story is that the first time Jesus saw him, he said, you're no longer going to be called Simon. The first, first time he, he saw him, he said to him, you're no longer going to be called Simon, which means read, but you shall be called Peter, which means rock. And rock speaks about stability and strength not easily moved. Peter went on to do some amazing things uh, for God. It was Peter that walked on water. It was Peter that preached the very first sermon when the church was actually birthed. He wrote two books in the New Testament. Jesus saw Peter's potential and he called it out of him. While, while Peter was still a Simon, while Peter was still weak, Jesus sees the potential inside of him. He sees the Peter inside of him and he calls it out of him. You know, labels are powerful. Labels we put on ourselves and the labels others put on us can affect us quite deeply. Some of you here today have some labels on yourself. You put some labels on yourself. Every day you tell yourself, I'm not smart, I'm not beautiful. I'm clumsy, I'm a waste of time, I'm insignificant. For some others have put some of those labels on, 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 on you, they've repeated it so many times uh, about you that it's now become part of your identity. And those labels have the power to influence who we are and who we become. I want you to know that one of the reasons why Jesus came was to give us a new name. 
a name that speaks about who we are, our potential, who God has actually called us to be. Isaiah says, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord shall bestow. Peter was here. He, he, if Peter was here, if, he, if, people, if Peter was here and he could tell his story, he would say, this is my story. My life was a mess. I was all over the place. Shoot my mouth off. I was impulsive and reckless. I was a Simon. But then one day I met Jesus and he gave me a new name. He, thought, he saw things inside of me that I could never see inside of myself. And God, God did some amazing things with my life. I want you to know that God sees some amazing things in you. That despite the names that you have given yourself, that, 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 that despite the labels that have you put on your own life or that other people have put on your life, I want you to know that God sees you with completely different eyes. And one of the reasons why Jesus came, he didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to, to give us a public college. One of the reasons why Jesus came was to give us a new name, a new name that speaks about who we really are and who we can become in Christ. It's powerful. He, he sees Simon for the very first time and he says, Simon, that's, that's who you are. You really are a Simon. But from now on, you're going to be called Peter. Peter didn't just change in an instant. Peter didn't just become a Peter all of a sudden. He continued to be a Simon. But every time Jesus saw him, he said, you're a Peter and you're a Peter. And every time Jesus called him that, he came closer and closer to becoming a Peter. And later we read in the Gospels that Peter became a pillar in the church of Jesus Christ. God sees more in you. God sees the potential in you. And despite the names that you have given yourself, he came to give you a new name, a new name that speaks about the potential that's inside of you and who you can become in Christ. Can I hear an amen somewhere? Amen. Amen. Second of the stories is the story of the Samaritan woman. Some of us know the story. We're introduced to her in John chapter four. Jesus, together with his disciples, had left Judea and were on their way to Galilee and they stopped at Samaria and the disciples went off to get some food in the city. Jacob's well, the Bible says, was there and Jesus, uh, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about 12 o'clock noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink of the water? Jesus begins to speak to this woman. Discussion goes from water to living water, from a natural discussion to a spiritual discussion. And at one point, Jesus says to this woman, go and call your husband. Tell your husband to come back here. Well, she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. Fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, says the woman. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. It's as if her eyes were open and all of a sudden she could see that Jesus was a man of God, a prophet. And in that moment, her life was radically changed. I love the story because it says so much about who this woman actually was. The discussion between Jesus and her should never have actually happened. She was a Samaritan. He was a Jew and the Jews hated the Samaritans. They despised the Samaritans. They treated them badly. And then she was a woman. Rabbis never spoke to women, let alone a Samaritan woman. And there's no doubt that this woman was a, a woman who had experienced some pain in her life, a woman that had a past. The fact that she had five husbands and was now living with another man. Uh, what's the story behind that? 
It's, a, it's the kind of story where you need to do like a timeout and just kind of go, well, well, let's try and get an understanding of this woman's life. Let, let's try and get an understanding of, of what's happened in her life where she's gone from one husband to another husband to another. And now she's living with guy number six. Can you imagine the pain in her life? Some of you have been through a separation or maybe even a divorce. You know all the pain that's associated with that. And here's a woman that's experienced five or six of these. Can you imagine the wounds in her life? Can you imagine the brokenness? A woman that was deep, deep down just looking for someone to love her. But she was broken and battered. And one day while she was going to the well to get some water, she meets a man called Jesus. She was going there at midday. The women used to go early in the morning or late at night to get the water because that's when it was cool. But she doesn't want to meet the other women because they're all gossips. Because she's a bit afraid what they're going to put on Instagram, on Facebook. Guess who I just saw at the well? You know, it's not going to be a little bit awkward. And so she wants to miss all of that. And so she goes there at lunchtime because she wants to be by herself. She doesn't want to be seen with these other women who are going to be speaking behind her back because they knew who she was. But one day, one day on this ordinary day that she got up and just said, I'm going at midday. When, when she went to the well, she meets Jesus. And her life was radically changed. What I love about the text, it says this about Jesus. It says this, now he had to go through Samaria. It, it says in the text, he had to go through Samaria. He could have easily gone a different route he could have easily gone around Samaria because they couldn't stand the Samaritans. The text says he had to go through Samaria. And the reason why he had to go through Samaria is because he had to minister to this one person. I love the Jesus that we serve. Come on, church. I love the Jesus. We're, we're interested in the crowds. Where are the crowds? The crowds were in the city. That's where Jesus should have gone because that's where the big crowds were. That's where the accolades were. No, 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 not Jesus. Jesus stops to minister to one person. Jesus, Jesus changes his route to minister to one person because Jesus is interested in our pain, in our circumstances. I don't know who you are here today, but there might be some people that have experienced wounds or hurts, brokenness, shame. Oh, you've got a past. Might be some people here whose lives have been marked by brokenness. That's you here today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he has a purpose for your life. And, and in a sense, Jesus could have been somewhere else tonight. But he had to be here. Because he had to meet with you. Because he's actually got a message for you. He loves you. And he cares about you. And he knows the pain that you've experienced. And he wants to heal your brokenness and bind up your wounds. He wants to give you a new heart, says Ezekiel, and put a new spirit in you. He says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You know, when we experience wounds and hurts, our heart becomes like rock solid. We, we tell ourselves, I'm never going to open up again because I'm never going to get wounded again. I'm never going to get hurt again. Our, our heart becomes like, sort of like a rock. And God says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take away that heart of stone and I'm going to give you a, a heart of flesh. And when she has a revelation of who Jesus was, 
She was no longer ashamed or embarrassed. She runs back into the city. She runs back. She, she tells everyone, you, you don't know what just happened to me. I just met the Savior. I met Jesus. She was here tonight. Man, I wish she was here. I wish she could come up here and, and just say, oh, it's my story. This is my story. My life was a mess. My life was a mess. I was just looking for love, that's all. I had so many relationships, but none of them. None of them could fulfill what I needed. I was broken, battered and bruised. But then one day I met Jesus. I met this man and he accepted me for who I was. He didn't judge me, look down on me. He loved me. And my life has never been the same again. Third of the stories is the story of the Apostle Paul. Most of us know the Apostle Paul. We were introduced to him in Acts chapter 9. Paul was a religious man, a Pharisee, highly educated, a man with power and authority. He believed that Jesus was a threat to the religion of the day. And he made it his ambition to destroy Christians, murder them, put them in prison. People were afraid of Paul. When they heard he was coming to town, they all ran. One day while he was on the, the way to Damascus, he had, he had letters. He was going to Damascus to actually persecute Christians, grab them, put him in prison, kill some and so on and so on. He meets Jesus. Bible says... Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city and you will be told what you need to do next. Bible tells us the Apostle Paul went on to be used by God in a powerful way. In fact, it was the Apostle Paul who ended up writing most of the New Testament. I don't know about you, but let's just do a time out. I don't know about you, but if there's someone I, I would use, you know, someone who would write most of the New Testament, I'd use someone who was a pretty good person, not someone like the Apostle Paul. Murdered Christians. Uh, uh, beat Christians up continuously. And yet he meets Jesus and his life is radically changed. God uses him in a powerful way. It's the grace of God. Look what he says about his own life. He says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He was saying, don't even call me an apostle. I'm not worthy of being put at that kind of level. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me without, was not without it. It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. So often when it comes to Christianity, people think, well, it's for those who are not too sharp. You know what I mean? Those who are missing a couple of pencils in the pencil case. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a couple of tools in the toolbox. Just kind of didn't manage to get in there. Some people think Christianity is for them. Obviously not smart enough to understand everything. Easily fooled by, you know, this, this religious thing that they're doing. You know, these religions. They're just after your money, that's all they're after. And these people, they're just a bit simple. They need, they need a crutch to lean on. That's why they go to church. But here we have the Apostle Paul. He was highly educated. Bachelor after bachelor after bachelor, PhD, double, triple, quadruple PhDs. And one day he has an encounter with Jesus. And his life was never the same again. If he was here today, man, if the Apostle Paul could come up here, he'd say, this is my story. He'd say, you know, I thought I knew it all. 
I had an answer for everything. I was perfect. You read what he says. He says, I was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was, in other words, the Pharisees had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules that they had to go through. He was one of those guys that kept all of those rules. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I thought I knew it all. I had the answer for everything. No one could outsmart me. And I was hell-bound on destroying Christians. But then one day, one day I met Jesus. One day I had an encounter with Jesus. And I was never the same again. By his grace, he saved me. And I'll be eternally grateful. Andre Crouch wrote a song for all the oldies that remember Andre Crouch. He said, I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he did. And then he sings, where would I be if Jesus didn't love me? Where would I be if Jesus didn't care? Where would I be if he hadn't sacrificed his life? Oh, but I'm glad. I'm so glad he did. One final story comes from the life of a man called Cornelius. It's a good name for your kids. <laughs> his life is described in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, come here. <laughs> he, and his, he and his whole family were, listen, listen to what the Bible says, describing this man. Listen carefully. It says, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Pretty good guy, I reckon. One day while he was praying, the Lord speaks to him clearly and he he gets this vision and he says, listen, go to such and such a place and call for this man called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household shall be saved. So Cornelius calls for Peter. Peter comes to the house and begins to speak to them about Jesus. He speaks about the life of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, how Jesus died. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And then Peter says, and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. It's not everyone who joins a religion, not everyone who's part of this particular church. Although if you're part of this one, you get extra bonus points in heaven. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Didn't say any of that. He says, if you believe in Jesus, you'll receive forgiveness for your sins. Bible tells us that Cornelius and his whole household accepted Jesus on that day. They were baptized and their lives were never the same again. What I find interesting about Cornelius is the character of this man. He was a sincere man, pious, devout, the Bible says. He feared God, actually described as a man that feared God. He gave to the poor. I mean, this guy was not stingy in any way. Not only did he have a, a declaration of fearing God, fearing God the, the fear of God prompted him to actually give to the poor. He prayed regularly. He was a good man. But despite all of that, the angel says to him, you go and call Peter. D despite all of his goodness, the angel says to him, you go and call this guy, Peter. He's going to come back. He's going to give you a message through which you and your whole household will be saved. Why would the angel say that to Peter? Why would the angel say that to Peter? There are a lot of people that believe as long as you're sincere, 
You can be saved. Reality is you can be sincerely wrong. Some people think, well, as long as you fear God, you respect God, do the religious thing. You're going to be cool. It's going to be okay. Slip Peter a 50 when you get into heaven at the gates. Or if you give to the poor, that's, that's not bad. No, next level, if you, if you give money to the poor, do good things. Even like Cornelius, pray, you know, from time to time. Then you will be saved. If that could have saved Cornelius, then there was no need for Peter to come to the house. The reality is none of that could save Cornelius. And none of that can save us either. The only way we can be saved is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't do good works so that we can be saved. It's because we're saved that we do good works. Right. I don't read my Bible so that God will be impressed with me. That's religion. It's because God loves me. I love reading the Word. Yeah. I don't come to church so that God can tally it up. Did he go to church? Mm, two out of four, no, nah, not good enough. Three out of four this month is, come on, we're getting some extra points. No. I don't come to church so that God can be impressed by how often I come to church. It's because God loves me. I love coming to church and being with God's people. I can imagine if Cornelius could come out of the seat and come up here and he'd say, well, this is my story. You know, I was a good man, he would say. I was doing good things, helping people. I thought, I was, I thought that was enough. I thought that could save me. I thought I was in. But one day an angel spoke to me. He said, call for Peter. And when Peter came, he spoke to me about Jesus. He told me that the only way I could be saved was through a relationship with Jesus. I thought if I was good, I could go to heaven. I thought if I did good things, I'd go to heaven. Not so. So I, that day, I invited Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And I was never, ever the same again. Four people whose lives were radically changed when they met Jesus. And I, I, could, I could go through the script. We could go through the New Testament. And I, I could give you hundreds of stories like these, these stories that I've given you tonight. And I know what some of you might be thinking. Some of you might be thinking, well, Pastor Joe, that's a great story. But they're all stories in the Bible. These are people that actually met Jesus or maybe, you know, people like the Apostle Paul. Does that kind of thing still happen today? Does that, does that kind of thing still happen today? Well, the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. We are all here as a kind of a testimony of what Jesus has done. So today what I want to do is I want you to hear the story of one person who came to know Jesus and the difference that Jesus has made in her life. Put your eyes on the screen. Thank you. but distanced myself from God as a teenager and soon after started dabbling in New Age spirituality. My relationship with both of my parents was very complex and I moved out of home very early and quickly got into a bad relationship in which I stayed for quite a while. I found separating very difficult and from there things got only worse. 
I became addicted to drugs and for five years I was in and out of homelessness until I reached a breaking point. And then I was a few months into recovery and living in a supported accommodation in the city. I somehow felt compelled to come to church at Easter. I looked up Life Christian Center, which was the closest to where I was living. And I remember coming on Good Friday and being warmly welcomed by one of the ushers, and then hearing about Mary Magdalene and how she was redeemed. I really resonated with her. I felt very encouraged and came back on the Easter Sunday 2019. And that's when I heard the story about Peter and how he denied Jesus three times. But Jesus said to him, I am not finished with you. And I just felt like God was speaking to me. Mas, I am not finished with you. And I responded in my heart, Jesus, I don't want to reject you anymore. Something clicked in my heart that day, and I walked out from church with completely different insights. I didn't become a believer straight away, but I kept coming back to church, and after some weeks, I came to the front after a service to ask Pastor Joe to pray for me. He asked me to say the sinner's prayer, which was more than what I expected, but exactly what I needed that day. As soon as I got home, I was on my knees, crying like a baby, and at the very same week, I got rid of all my crystals, idols, and New Age books. I'm just so grateful for this amazing gift of grace. God has been so amazing to me and has helped me so much on my journey with anxiety and PTSD. He keeps reminding me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Time and time again he has proven me that he is always faithful, even though I have been faithless. He is merciful. He sees us. He answers our prayers. And I can't wait to see what else he has in store for us. Wasn't that awesome? Um, for those that don't know Maz, she's part of our congregation. Where is Maz? Can you stand? Can I give her a hand? Give her a hand. Come on. That's Maz. That's her story. Thank you so much for being so open and being able to share your story, Maz. Thank you. I don't know who you are here today, but I want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he has a plan for your life. That he came some 2,000 years ago, not just to start a religion or so that we could have a holiday at Easter. Jesus came so that our lives could be radically changed through a relationship with him, just like Peter, just like the Samaritan woman, like Paul, like Cornelius. And the big question for us is how can, how can their story become our story? How can we come to know Jesus as our Lord and say, so how can we have an encounter with Jesus? Well, all we need to do is really just invite Jesus into our hearts. Let's just invite him in. Let's just acknowledge that 
We've all said stuff, done things that we probably regret. It's called sin. And Jesus came some 2,000 years ago and he died on the cross for our sins, taking the penalty for our sins. And if we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, then all we need to do is just invite him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. It's praying a simple prayer like, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge the sin in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I wish it was harder. Wish, wish, wish it was harder, but it's not. It's as simple as that. It's just, it's just praying a simple prayer. Pastor Joe, what are those words? I started right. And it's not about the words. It's about your heart. They're just saying, Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm just tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm try, tired of trying to find a way through all of this. I give my life to you. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. The Bible says that when we pray a prayer like that, we can be saved. There was a woman called Fanny Crosby who wrote over 8,000 hymns in her lifetime. What people don't know about her, that she was blinded from when she was age six. Doctor had put an ointment in her eyes uh, that was the wrong ointment and it blinded her. And in the midst of this challenging life, she wrote some 8,000 hymns that have been sung over the centuries. One of those hymns is Blessed Assurance. Here's what the words say. It says, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Second stanza, perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy. Are you serious? Happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with his goodness. Lost in his love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I pray this Easter that we wouldn't just celebrate Easter, but that we would experience Easter and that through a relationship with Jesus Christ, that our lives too could be radically changed. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing this hymn uh, together and uh, I want you to belt it out in the name of Jesus. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come on, I want you to sing it. Love Jesus as you sing together tonight. Amen.